0: All right, welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. It's great to see all of you. My name is Mitchell. I work with our high schoolers here. Um, if you saw Austin in the lookout hall earlier, he was here first service. Uh, we're wearing the same outfit today. I'm not sure how this keeps happening, but it happens pretty regularly. So uh, I, I just want to say I, I love this job. I love working here. I love working with Austin. I love working with our students. Um, it just seems like every week like week after week after week, I find new ways to be proud of your students. So if you have a student in our student ministry, high school or middle school, um, parents, you're doing a great job. Uh, yeah, I'm just so proud of them. The leadership that we've seen over the past couple years um, is just, it's just really incredible. Really, really cool. So we actually took our students to our winter retreat last weekend um, up, at, up at Bear Lake. So it was pretty close. Uh, and again, just super proud of the way that they handled themselves, the way that they just engaged and, and dove right in. Um, even the high schoolers incorporating the middle schoolers, it just didn't seem like anybody was left out. It was just really, really cool. Um, makes me really, really proud again. But one of the things that the speaker was talking about at that, on, that, on that retreat was taking your next faith step. So what is the next Big step that you need to take to grow closer to God. Wherever you are in your walk, we always have one more step, right? We always have the next step, the next thing that we can work on, the next thing that we can, that we can pay attention to and, and focus in on. Um, and as we were kind of discussing as a group afterwards, throughout the whole weekend, it just kind of seemed like there were, there's some doubts, right? Like, have you ever, anybody can say they've had doubts before in their, in their spiritual walk? Doubting whether God loves me or... If I'm doing this right or or is this really what God wants? And I just want to say before I go any further, it's okay to have those doubts. That's fine. God loves that. He loves that you're doubting because it means you're being real. It means you're trying to engage and you have a question. Something's not lining up. Something doesn't make sense to you. What's not okay is to stay there. If you're pursuing that, trying to figure out how to overcome that, pursuing that with God, praying about it, digging into scripture with him, that's what he wants. That's how you're going to grow. So it's okay to doubt it's okay to have these doubts. But since it's Valentine's Day weekend, we're talking about love. Um, last, last year when I was up here for Valentine's Day, we talked about the Greek and the Hebrew words of love. I'm not going to do that to you again. I'm sorry for last year. Uh, we won't make you say all the, the, the different words. But we are going to talk about God's love and how sometimes we don't feel that, right? So as we listen to this song, the band's going to just play one more song. I just want you to think about that that situation or that time where you felt like god didn't love you or you've had a doubt or a question about something in your faith take a listen yes let's let's give the band one more round of applause and the the team in the back too they do not get enough credit for what they do this this is uh they put in more work than anybody else coming into a sunday morning so um, a, lot of, a lot of times it just goes unnoticed and un, unappreciated, but hope you guys know we appreciate you and you guys in the back. You're great. Um, so yeah, there we go. I wonder what it's like to be loved by you. So the, the question that I've been kind of wrestling with is, yeah, what, why is it that sometimes I feel like God doesn't love me? So I've been wrestling with that and, and it kind of sent me on this journey. I'm going to walk you through all the different questions that it had me asking myself. But what I ended on, what I landed on, is what has true value. What in life has true value? Here's how I got there. So I started with this, yes, I wonder what it's like to be loved by you. And it got me thinking, every night when I put Caden down for bed, he will not let me leave his room until I sing Jesus Loves Me. So I'm singing this all the time. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. So yes, that's like ingrained in us, right? Everybody knows the song. We all know Jesus loves me and the Bible tells me so. But why is it that in that sometimes we still, like we've been taught this from an early age and we still sometimes feel like we're not loved. So it led me to why. Why do I wonder what it's like to be loved by God? Aren't we all loved by God? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved the world. So if it's there, why don't I feel it? Is it my fault? Is it my fault that I don't feel loved? And yeah, I think it is. I think it is my fault that I don't feel loved. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So because I've sinned, because I've separated myself, I've been, sep- I've been selfish, I've just been focused on myself, because I've done that, I've separated myself from God, and the wages of that is death. But is it just me? Is it just me that feels this way? And no, because later in Romans, or early in, earlier in Romans, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short. So we're all in the same boat together, so that kind of—like, under- at least I'm not alone in this feeling that God— doesn't love me. But the, the second part of that, of that first verse in Romans is that the gift of God is eternal life. So what is love? It's a gift, right? So then I, it sent me down this question of, OK, that kind of, under, like, that kind of explains what love is, and that I am loved, but who is God? And in 1 John it tells us, God is love. God is love. The two words are synonymous. They go together. You can't have one without the other, God. Is love so then it got me thinking what do I love how do I love why do I love and I love things differently right but what has value and what's worth it because I love Cassie I love my wife is there value in that relationship in that in me loving my wife absolutely is it worth it absolutely I love my son I don't love them the same but is there value? Is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. I love tacos. Is there value? I would say so. Is it worth it? Maybe. Is it like in the grand scheme of things, is it worth it for me to love tacos? Probably not. I also love the 49ers. Is there value in that? Mm, probably not. Is it worth it? Definitely not till they get rid of their quarterback. Can't stand that guy. Anyways, so there's, we have these things in life, right? We have all these different things that we love, and some are worth it, some are not. So how do we adjust the things that are not worth it? How do we adjust that focus in our life? And we have to first identify what has value and what has true value. So if you're not running through those questions in your head, is it worth it? Is there, is there true value here? Is it really beneficial to me in the long run? then there's probably a lot of things in life that we're loving that we don't need to love. Now I want to run you through this, just this picture right here. I want you to picture a person in your life, just somebody, just a person, somebody who loves you. You would say they're obsessed with you. They know everything about you. They know intricate details. They know when you go to bed, when you get up, what you like to eat, what you don't like to eat, your quirks, all your little habits. They know what your schedule is like. They know what you they know you. Who are you picturing in your mind? God? Maybe. Your wife? Your husband? Your kids? Your parents? Let me flip that. How about a stalker? Think about that for a minute. All those things I just said, a stalker would know all those things too, right? If they're stalking you. So what's the difference between your spouse or your parents or your kids and a stalker? Well, I think it's, The way that you view that person, the way that you interact with that person, somebody you put your faith, your trust, your love into is not a stalker anymore, right? So don't let God be a stalker in your life. It's kind of what I'm getting at. It's really easy to just know that God is there, know that he loves you, but it can be creepy if you don't feel loved by him. You don't, like, you feel like he's out to get you almost, even though he knows all of that. Don't let God be a stalker. What I've found in my relationships, every relationship, my, my marriage, my friendships, with my, with my kid, the more effort I put in, the more love I show in that relationship, the more I feel loved by those people. So if I'm not putting my hope, my faith, my trust, my love into God, yeah, he's gonna feel like that to me. I'm not gonna feel very loved. And it's going to feel like we're on different teams. But my marriage grows stronger when I'm loving my wife. I start to realize the things, that, the things that she's doing for me to show her love for me when I'm loving her. When I'm going out of my way to sacrifice for her. I feel more loved. It's kind of an oxymoron, but it, it just makes sense. So we're going to dive today into... Um, Matthew 6, Matthew 6 and 7, we're going to walk through. So if you have a Bible or the Bible on your phone, pull it out. It's not all going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to read a good amount of it out of here. So this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So this is the longest section of Scripture where we have Jesus just talking. So it's three, three whole chapters of Him just talking. So if you have a red-letter Bible, like, it's all red, because this is all Jesus' words here. Now, we, within the Bible, the way the Bible is structured, we have chapters and verses, and that helps us find what we're looking for, helps us find a specific passage to go back to. But we've got headings in there too. When this was written, when Jesus was talking, it was not like, this is chapter six, this is ch-. there was no chapters, verses, there was no headings, he just kind of talked, and it all got written down. So I think sometimes when we have those headings, it can, it can throw us off a little bit because we just want to read that one section and we forget about what's above and below it. So I'm kind of going in the, like the middle of chapter 6 and then into the first part of chapter 7 because I feel like this is a really good snapshot of the sermon that he was giving right here. So in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. So I think we're talking about like things that, the things that we treasure, I think we're talking about four things. I think there's four things in our lives that we tend to treasure, that we tend to latch onto and acquire and get more and more and store up. One is money, our bank account, our wallet. Second is our things, our possessions. The third would be our time, our schedule. And the fourth would be our social status, how we are viewed amongst our friends, our peers, our coworkers, in the world in general. And so I think what Jesus is saying here when he he says that last little section, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, what he's saying is the things that you put value on, the things that you choose to say are valuable in your life are the things that you will be passionate about. The things you're thinking about, the things you're working towards, the things you're you're trying to get are the things that are going to consume your life. They're going to come into your heart. That's what's going to drive you at that point. It's going to drive every decision you make. It's going to drive every relationship you have. It's going to drive all of your passions based on what you put value on. And I think this next section in here is really important to set up the rest of it to get ourselves in the right space because he says the eye is the lamp to the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. I think what Jesus is getting at here is if all you focus on is negative, if all you try to identify and look for and latch on to is the bad stuff in life, it's easy to find. I I can't even watch the news anymore because it's like all negative. If all you're looking for is the negative in life, that's what's going to be in your heart. The negative, the bad. It's going to drive you to be bitter. and every, like It's just going to ruin your life. So a little bit of hope, a little bit of light, just letting God in there a little bit, letting truth in there a little bit can change you, can change the way you view things. So he moves on into the next heading here, which I don't think should be a heading. It just flows to talk about anxiousness. And before we even dive into this, I just wanna say we are not talking about clinical anxiety, depression. That's a real thing. Your brain is a part of your body that can get sick and not work correctly and you need to get help. We're not talking about that when we dive into this. It's okay to have that kind of stuff. We can talk about it, we can deal with it. There's no shame in that. He's talking about everyday worry Every day, like worry about everyday things. We're going to dive into this. He says, therefore, I tell you, and when you see a therefore, you should always think, why is it there? What is it there for? So let's dive back or go back. The last couple sections we just read, all of that taken into account, now we're diving into this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. How many of you, as you read that, guys are nudging your wife, saying you've got too many clothes, your closet's pretty full, you don't have to worry about this. Ladies, how many of you are nudging your husbands right back? You have too many clothes. Right? You, it's easy to think, like, we have, so, we have so much. We have so many things compared to the rest of the world, compared to the people of this time. We have so much. There is no reason for us to be worried about what we're going to wear or what we're going to eat. We've probably all got food in our pantries. We live in a, in a society of privilege. Even if you are poor in this society, you still have your daily needs met, more than likely. Your food, your water, your shelter, your clothes, it's all there. But it's easy for us to say, man, I don't know what I'm going to wear to this event. I don't have the right thing to wear. I have to go shopping. Or, man, geez, Cassie didn't get the right chips this week. I guess I'll have to go shopping myself. I don't have anything to eat. Have you ever had that? You go, like you go to the fridge, you go to the pantry. Oh, there's nothing to eat here. There's tons of food. It's just not exactly what you're looking for. These are the things he's saying don't worry about. Like stop worrying about this. Stop letting this control your time, your schedule. Like stop letting this control you. And he he responds or goes a little bit further to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What he's not saying is follow me, chase after me, seek me and I'm gonna make sure those chips are there or I'm gonna make sure you've got the right dress to wear to that party. No, but he's saying, follow me, focus on me, live your life for me, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be okay. You might not have all the privileged things. You might not have the lush life, but he's going to take care of you. And he shows us this in scripture. I mean, he provided for the Israelites in the desert with food that came out of nowhere, right? Like he has done this. We know that he can do this, but we live in a place in a time where it's very difficult to fully have faith that God can take care of us because we can take care of ourselves. Imagine being in a place where you have that much Faith and trust in God. This next section I, I think hits, hits hard for me. It's talking about judging others. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with this measure, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I hate The 49ers quarterback. Can't stand him. I think he's ruined the team. Should have had two Super Bowls if it wasn't for him. Anyways, that's not right of me to think. I'm pointing to the speck in his eye that he throws interceptions at the wrong time when I'm sitting here 30 pounds overweight and can't run a mile. That's a pretty big log in my own eye that I'm not focused on, right? We've all done this with sports. Like we can watch sports and we can, man, they're terrible. I could do better than that. No, you can't. But we do this in life too, right? If we, if we hear two people talking about somebody that we know, our ears perk up. We lean in. We want to know what's going on. We want to know what's being said about that person. If we find somebody that made a mistake, we want to know what happened. We need to be in the know. And then we're going to tell our other friends about it. Why do we do this? We do this because we want to be better than everybody else. It's our human nature To want to put ourselves first. And a lot of times that doesn't mean making ourselves better, it means making everybody else lower. And so we will do anything we can to put someone else down, to make sure that we have the leg up on somebody. And Jesus says, You hypocrite, you hypocrite. This one, that one hits hard for me because it's real easy. It's really easy for me to want to know all the dirt about everybody. And I think, oh, I'm a pastor. I want to know that so that I can be praying for them. Now, it's Yes, I am going to try to pray for them. But it's also, yeah, I just want to know how I'm better than everybody else and how I'm further along in life than they are. I have a feeling that's going to hit hard for some of you too. But here he, go, he goes on. Jesus goes on in this. If you need any more proof that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, here it is. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For any, everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is good, give good things to those who ask him. In my in my Bible that ends with an exclamation point and I think it should. That's how much he loves you. There is nothing that has taught me more about the love of Jesus, how much God loves me than having a kid. Now that he's at the age where he's starting to ask for things, he's starting to ask for like he can communicate pretty well. If he came up and I could see him shivering and he's cold because I didn't put any clothes on him that day, and he says, Daddy, I need a shirt, yeah, I'm going to put him in clothes. Of course I am. Or if he comes up and he's hungry because I forgot to feed him breakfast, yeah, I'm going to get him some food. Like it's, it's not one of those, give me a second, I'll be right there. No, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to give him food. I think the way that we see Jesus interact with children in the Bible is the same way. And I think he does that because he knows how we are going to react to our kids. He wants us to see that being modeled, and he wants us to see that when your child is doing that, the way that you feel towards them, I feel towards you. When you need something, I'm jumping right in when you come up and ask. Now, I do think it works a little bit differently. If, if Caden would come up to me and want me to build something for him or do something for him, it's something that he's capable of, but maybe he's never done before or he doesn't know how to get started. Instead of just doing it for him, I'm going to help him do it. And I'm going to teach him along the way how to do that so that next time he can do it by himself. I think Jesus does the same thing in our lives. If you've seen the movie Evan Almighty... Morgan Freeman, who plays God in that movie, says, when someone prays for patience, do you think God gives patience or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? I I really think that's the way God works a lot of times in our life, but we're so obsessed with instant gratification, right? I get mad if my Google page takes three seconds to load. Like, come on, hurry it up. Why do I not have service? Instant gratification. I want this. Jesus, do it for me. You said ask and it will be given. I'm asking. But that's not true love. That doesn't help us grow. That's not beneficial to us. Jesus loves us enough to help us get the things that we need. To help us grow closer to him and grow closer with others. He's going to help us in that. And I think that, that leads right into this next part, which is the golden rule. That's the heading on it. Band, you guys can come on up if you're, if you're around. The golden rule. You've heard it before. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So when it says, for this is the law and the prophets, it's saying, this is where I'm reading, all of this, all of this Old Testament Summed up in in this one thing. When Jesus, later, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. It's the same thing. He says, this sums up the law and the prophets. That whole Old Testament, over half the Bible is all about loving God because he loves us. Loving God and then taking that love that we have modeled in that relationship and giving it to others. Do, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And here's the last verse that I want to read. And it was a gut check for me, and I want, I want it to be a gut check for you. It's Verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, but those who find it are few. First time I read that, I thought, man, why can't it just be easy? Why can't it be the wide, easy road to get to heaven? Why can't it just be easy? But then I caught myself, and I read that second part again, and the very last part. Those who find it are few, and my heart broke. And if your heart is not breaking, by that statement, that the way, or the, those who find it are few. It is few, those who get to go to heaven because they're lost, they're walking on the wrong road. If that doesn't break your heart, then you are not aligned with God's heart. So you might ask if I'm not supposed to store up these treasures here on earth, what are heavenly treasures? This word treasure can also be translated as storehouse. So it's not that you're storing your things up here or in heaven, or it's not that you're storing up things that are here or things that are in heaven. It's where you're storing those things. So it's okay to have money. It's okay to have a tight schedule. It's okay to have status in the community. What's not okay is when you're doing it for yourself and you're building an empire yourself here. But when you're storing those things, using those things for heaven, for God's purpose, to bring heaven here now, to experience it here now, to reach others, to love on others, and honor God with that, if you're not doing that, then your heart's in the wrong place, and you're storing your treasure in the wrong place. And all it takes is to switch your perspective— and start focusing on loving God and loving others. It's all about your perspective. It's all about the way that you view things, the things you put value on, and then what you're doing with them to make them part of your life. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have today just to gather um, as as a body of believers and just experience your love Lord, thank you for for relentlessly pursuing us and loving us no matter what we do. Help Help us to see the things in our life that need some reevaluation, that we need to take out of this worldly storehouse and move into your heavenly storehouse. And then give us the strength and the courage to follow through with that. In your name I pray, amen.